You're listening to Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. On every episode, I talk to you about uplifting, empowering, and inspirational topics that can help you to stand up and fight those beasts in your life and to just live a life filled with much more happiness, strength, and courage. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or on SoundCloud so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. You can also find this directly on my website at ValerieSilvera.com. You are not alone. I am standing with you. Hello, friends. I'm wondering if you can relate to feeling alone when you're surrounded by people. Do you know what I mean? Have you experienced this? I did for many, many, many years. It's such an odd feeling to look around a room and realize there are tons of people in this room, yet I feel so alone. Or even worse, being surrounded by people you love, people in your family, friends, and yet still somehow feeling alone. How can that be? I remember feeling that way in so many different situations and all of those situations were while I was riding what I call the roller coaster from hell with my beast at the controls and it was as a result of my daughter's addiction and my inability to save her, my inability to change that situation. And so there was my heart shattered into a million pieces laying on the ground. Well, if you think about it that way, it's no wonder I felt so alone. Everybody else's heart didn't seem to be in pieces on the ground. Although there probably were people around me that were in similar situations and somehow we just didn't know. But there I was feeling so darn alone when I was even at family functions and I have this big, fun, crazy family that has a lot of really big personalities and we all get along really well and have a marvelous time together. And so while I would have moments of having a good time in these situations, I did for sure. I was able to do that, but still that dark cloud that hung over my heart, it was there 24 hours a day and it didn't seem to be going anywhere. And I had no idea how to get rid of it for so many years, for 13 years. And during those years that I lived with that dark cloud, I just, I felt continuously and constantly alone. And I know it really frustrated my husband, Rich, because there were times when I would say to him, you don't understand how I feel. And he would say, what do you mean? How can I not understand how you feel? I'm right here. I'm watching this. And I am kind of, I've always been very private with my emotions. I know you probably find that crazy since I'm sitting here doing a podcast, but until I went on this mission, I was emotionally very private. I'm a very outgoing person and uh, the life of the party I've been called more than once, but emotionally I was always very private. I've never wanted anybody to feel sorry for me, so definitely when it came to those types of emotions, I kept things pretty close to the vest. So even with my husband, and I think mainly with him, it was because I, I knew that he was frustrated and that he was very frustrated with not knowing how to help me, and so I didn't want him to see me crying. And so anytime that I could, I would literally, when you hear me say I was crying in my walk-in closet, because that's what I would do. You know, then you could go into the bedroom door and close that door. You can go into the closet door and close that door. You were a couple doors behind, you know. There were times when he found me there. I found out later there were other times when he just knew I was there and let me be. But 
I just didn't want him to be so upset. And so, you know, I was in those situations where I would tell him that you don't understand how I feel. And he, and again, he would say, well, how can I not know how you feel? I watch this. I live with you. I see you crying in the walk-in closet or, you know, I did verbalize to him on many occasions, different things. But here's the thing. He doesn't even really know how much of what I was feeling. I didn't tell him probably 95% for him because he loves me so much and felt so helpless to help me. It probably felt like I was telling him and he was experiencing it a whole lot more, but he has no idea because I kept it to myself. And for most of my ride on the roller coaster from hell for 13 years, I didn't know anybody who had a son or a daughter living with an addiction beast. I just didn't know anybody or I didn't know of anybody. And so, you know, that was one reason I felt incredibly alone because nobody really knew how I was feeling in my circle in my friends and family circle. People didn't understand. Yes, they could empathize. Of course they cared. Most of them had no idea what to do or say. So I'm sure most of the time they just avoided the subject as did I. And so, yes, I could have gone out and found people. I could have joined a support group and I knew that. And there were times where I thought about that, but there's another side of me and I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from and what I did. I was concerned about going to some support group where it was really just a pity party. I, I thought, you know, my story's sad enough. I, what if there are 20 people in the room and I hear 19 more sad stories? I, I don't know if I can take it. So I avoided those online groups. I avoided going to any kind of a physical group. I certainly could have probably done some counseling and that might have helped. But I just didn't want to be around a lot of people that were literally just telling their sad stories. And, and I'm not saying all groups are like that. And I'm sure there are definitely ones that are not. But I do know enough about human nature. You know, and human nature is that misery loves company. That's why my latest book I called Misery, You Don't Get My Company. You should get a copy of that book no matter what you're going through, no matter what your situation is. Misery, You Don't Get My Company. Honestly... I love that body of work and I think it's really incredible perspective that I've been given. I mean, literally came from, you know, sources beyond me, that's for sure. But um, anyway, so misery loves company and I do know that pity parties are so easy to attend and again, because you've lived so long with people not understanding of course, you just want to tell everything and get it out and finally have people shaking their heads and acknowledging that they understand how you feel. That must feel pretty good. But I think really the problem is, the challenge is that that only feels good for a short period of time. Then what? What's next? You know, what comes after commiserating? What comes next after, you know, our telling our sad stories? Then we meet again the next week and we tell our sad stories again and then this happened and that happened and... You know, and even in, in Still Standing After All the Tears, which was my first book, and I told a lot of my story, I refrained from telling all of the details. I didn't tell you about, you know, the time I had a phone call on New Year's Eve, or excuse me, on Thanksgiving, and had friends and family, and had to just, well, I didn't have to, I chose to just drop everything, left everyone standing there, and ran out the door in the middle of the night with nobody with me, and into the dark to go save my daughter. You know, I didn't tell all those stories and all the sad things and all, because I figure 
If somebody's going through what I'm going through, they don't need to hear all that. They don't need to be reminded. So, you know, I talked more in generality so that people would understand that I get it. I've been through the stuff. But telling all of the sad details and the, the law and the health issues and the danger and, you know, on and on and on and on and all of the, you know, fights and anger and, you know, we, that wouldn't help anybody. You know, so I guess I, I kind of subscribe to the theory, especially for those of you who are living um, with sons and daughters living with an addiction beast as I did. You don't really need to be reminded of all the chaos and drama or the plight of addiction, you're living it. You know, so whatever it is you're going through, maybe it's nothing to do with what I have been going through, but if you've been going through something, you probably don't need to be reminded what it's like. You already know. What you need is tools and resources. What you need to do is figure out how to get better. You know, I mean, for me too, if I had done that, if I had joined some of these groups or, and had people commiserating with me week after week after day after day, whatever, however often I was in communication, I know I would still be stuck. There's no question in my mind. I would still be a victim. I'd still be feeling sorry for myself. And maybe you can relate to this. I mean, if you haven't felt like a victim and you haven't felt sorry for yourself, you're probably not human. So this is really not a judgment. It's just that, you know, okay, so now we acknowledge. Let me acknowledge that whatever you're going through is difficult. Whatever you're going through, I'm really sorry that we had to meet in this way. I truly am. And uh, I know it's difficult. Even if what you're going through has nothing to do with what I am and I really, I don't know how you feel, I'm acknowledging that, that it's difficult. And there are no doubt a bunch of people that you can find that have gone through what you're going through. And you know, this is why I created the Still Standing Sisterhood. And you can find out more about that at ValerieSilvera.com slash sisterhood or at stillstandingsisterhood.com. But I created that because even after, still standing after all the tears, which is where I introduced the nine actions to battle your beast, even after that, I thought, I mean, I used to say to my husband all the time, what next? What next for people? So now they know about the nine actions to battle your beast, but how do I continue to support them? How do I continue to impart wisdom? How do I you know, continue to guide them? I mean, obviously I can't talk on the phone to everybody every day, that wouldn't be possible which is why I created the Still Standing Sisterhood because I'm telling you, I still live this stuff. I still work to make sure I don't fall back into those traps. You know, it's easy to fall back into a pity party. It's easy to become victimized and not even having to do just with exactly what I'm going through now, which, you know, I don't go through the same situation because my daughter died in August, 2016. Now I fight a whole different kind of beast. I mean, you know, here's the thing about the beast. He doesn't go away. He just morphs into something different. At least that's what I've experienced. And so I still go through all this stuff and I still have to work at it. But listen, even taking addiction out of the mix and taking my daughter's death out of the mix, those are huge ones. And whatever you're going through, I'm sure they're huge as well. But what about everyday life? What about financial issues and parents who die and, you know, car accidents that happen or bills that come in the mail you didn't expect or household items that break down or, you know, whatever difficulties you're going through, life happens. And so if we are spending time in a pity party or, you know, really just feeling down, how does that affect all that other stuff we're trying to get through? So back to the subject of this entire podcast here, which is feeling alone. 
when you're around and surrounded by people, even people you love, that does have to do with, with probably people not really knowing how you feel. So it definitely helps to have somebody that says, yeah, I know how you feel. But what I want to encourage you to do is to not get stuck there. Empathy is a great thing, and I have a very high degree of empathy. But I also know that, you know, that can also be a dual-edged sword. If somebody's just going to empathize with you and not going to offer a solution or some solutions or some encouragement to get up. So this is the thing. Lots of times when we want to call somebody or communicate with somebody about what we're going through, often we want somebody who's sort of, you know, the bobblehead doll, you know, somebody who's just going to agree with you. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. I know. Oh, you're right. Whatever you've done, it's true. It's good. It's right. You know, you really also need some people in your life who will say, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you thought about this? Or, you know, is that helping you? Or do you need to get up off of the mat now? Or, you know what I mean? I mean, whatever it is that perhaps you need to be facing, addressing, changing, let's not forget about those things. Those are very important things. We want to make sure that we are not keeping other people down. And we want to make sure that other people are not keeping us down. So definitely don't go this alone. And action number four of my nine actions to battle your beast is to build your circle of strength. And there's a whole lot to it. You, you got to look at the, at the circle of strength and, and begin to understand. It's interesting because I've had some people tell me that that one really hit them the most. And, and I, don't, I think that it surprised me in a lot of ways, but that action has really helped them in all of their relationships because it has you modifying your expectations of relationships, and then also being open to some different types of relationships in your inner circle. And again, some of the people who are going through something similar to you can be some of the best people in your inner circle. But where do you find them without winding up in a pity party? You know, so that's the trick. I just want you to be really, really mindful of that. Because you know what? It is not good to be feeling alone when you're surrounded by people. When you're surrounded by people, especially those that care about you and that you care about, that's terrible. That means we're really missing out. We're missing out on those relationships and that's what I really remember. I remember feeling, I don't even know if I can explain this to you properly. Maybe you'll get it, you know? Maybe you'll understand how I'm feeling. I would love to to hear some comments about this. Is I remember feeling like everybody else's life was going on and I was just sort of going through the motions, you know? Anywhere, I would be in the grocery store and I'd feel like, oh, they're having a life, but I'm sort of um, like in another dimension or something. I don't even know how to explain it. So weird, like an outsider looking in on on life. And that's just a really dangerous place to be. It leads to depression and isolation and, and that's another thing. I wrote this story called The Old Woman in the Cave that I put in nine action, in, um, excuse me, still standing after all the tears in action number six. I put that story in there because that's how I was feeling, as if I was going to become this old woman in the cave. Could you relate to this? I bet you do. So what happens is when we start to feel alone and we feel like people don't understand, we isolate ourselves. So I'm kind of talking about both sides here. You definitely don't want to isolate yourself. You don't want to 
we retreat and withdraw and spend, you know, a lot of your life in that walk-in closet I talked about earlier, crying your eyes out. Although there are times when I was in that walk-in closet on my knees or flat on my face, and I have no doubt that that was a lot of my healing happened in those moments with God, but I didn't realize it at the time. There were many times when I was on my knees, flat on my face, crying out to God, and I heard nothing like Zippo Zilch, you know? And I just felt as if God had forgotten about me. But I realize now that he would, this was, it was all part of it. It was part of the process. And indeed, he was with me, and he was working with me at that time. We just want instant gratification, right? Instant results, instant answers. And life doesn't always work that way. So sometimes it's okay to go in and cry in your walk-in closet. But when we start to retreat more and more, and we start to become in that danger zone of becoming the old woman or man in the cave, that's dangerous. It's not a place you want to be. So you definitely want to surround yourself with people, but make sure they're people who are going to link arms with you, push you forward, give you some wisdom, encourage you. Yes, empathize as well, but not keep you down in a pity party because that is not, ultimately that is not going to help you. I am a firm believer that in the long run that is going to hurt you, which is why I don't accommodate groups like that or anything like that because I know that is not what is going to help. As long as you remain a victim, and that's what's happening really. When we feel alone, surrounded by other people, we're, we're feeling victimized. There's no power in being a victim. And listen, in misery, you don't get my company. I think you'll really like this one chapter or, or section, I should say, in there that I wrote about victim land and what it's like. And there's no power in victim land. You don't want to be stuck in victim land. You've got to get out of that mode of feeling like a victim. And listen, it's going to take work. It's going to be a battle. But listen, what you're dealing with right now is a battle. If you're feeling alone, most of the time, if not all of the time, if you're feeling alone when you're surrounded by people who love you, when you're feeling alone in crowds of people, you're probably feeling like a victim. I mean, it'd be almost impossible to feel like everybody else is going on with their life and you're having this terrible life and not feel like a victim. That's what's going on. So push yourself outside of that zone, but just be careful and mindful. If you find yourself connecting with people be mindful, be careful, and pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening. This is your life. And it really is, it, it really is a battle for your life. And so make sure that you don't have people that are just like, oh yeah, and then my sad story and the next person's sad story. And before long, you feel more depressed than you did before. Maybe you'll feel heard, which is good. But if that's all that's happening, is that you're commiserating and the next person is commiserating and everybody's just commiserating. Where does that get you? I really want you to think about that. I wish I could hear your answer right now. Where do you think that would get you when somebody's just commiserating with you? So please don't misunderstand how much I care because I care a tremendous amount. I wish I could just hug you in person. And hey, if you're in the Northeast, I know I'm recording this and somebody's gonna listen to this later on and, and say, hey, that time has passed. But I'm recording it right now in the end of February of 2018. And on April 7th, we have a live event in Philadelphia. If you're anywhere in the Northeast, get yourself to that live event because it's going to make a tremendous difference. 
And again, that's why I created the Still Standing Sisterhood. They, the people in the Still Sisterhood, the women come from all walks of life. They're all very, very, very different, but there is a common thread. And the common thread is that we want to be women of courage. Do we fall down? Yes. Do we get scared? Yes. Do we have days of apprehension and sad days and sad moments and frustration and all the rest of the stuff? Yes, this is a sisterhood of human beings, of course. But again, it's that common thread. You know, that decision that says, I'm going to keep getting back up every single time I'm knocked down. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to feel lonely when I'm surrounded by people who love me. I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to stand up and fight for my life. So that's why I created the Still Standing Sisterhood. So listen, I'd love to have you in the sisterhood. And you can find that out about that at ValerieSilvera.com sisterhood or StillStandingSisterhood.com. But if that is not for you for whatever reason, then, you know, find somehow link arms and connect with people that are talking about that, that subscribe to the theory that I'm talking about here, you know, that are going to empower you to get better because that's the whole point. I mean, do you want to stay where you are? I mean, seriously, do you want to stay where you are? And so what's probably happening is that you're just waiting. You're waiting for something else outside of your control. If you are the mom of an addict like me, you're probably just waiting for your son or daughter to get clean and stay there for many years. So think about this. It isn't just that they get clean. We have to see them clean for many, many, many years. So you're going to wait many, many, many years before you feel confident. And who knows if you'll even feel confident then. And I hope and pray that does happen in your life. I sure do. Boy, do I. But you don't have any control over that. That is not your battle. It is not your journey. Your battle and your journey is with your beast. And part of what this beast wants you to do is to be isolated. And if you do connect with people, he would love for you to connect with people who are in a pity party. He certainly doesn't want you to connect with people like me or people like the women in the Still Standing Sisterhood. People who are becoming women of courage, who are out making meaning from the madness, uh, who are you know trying to make a difference, even a small difference in their own little worlds. I'm not talking about, they're not all out, you know, on these great missions, but when you change your world, you change other people's lives. So just make sure that's what you're doing because you, sister, you were put on this earth to make a difference. You are here to shine your light and to do something, to be something that nobody else can be. See, you can't be me and I can't be you. And the list goes on. Nobody can be anybody else. There's just one of you. And wouldn't it be a shame if the world missed out on what you are put here to do? So please link arms with people who will support you. Yes, absolutely. But where you can get some real solid guidance and with people who will give you a nudge when you need it, who will give you empowerment and inspiration and motivate you to change. Be very mindful of who you link arms with. Because listen, it's not going to be any good if you come out of your cave, if you come out of your walk-in closet, and you just wind up at a big old pity party in victim land. You don't want that. So just be mindful. Link arms with the right people, 
You are worth it and the world is waiting for you. This has been another uplifting episode of Still Standing with Valerie Silvera. Remember to visit ValerieSilvera.com slash podcast to subscribe via SoundCloud or iTunes. Have an awesome day.